Hey, Rockheads. If you haven't already checked out Music to Code By, you really should, especially if you need to focus on anything, like programming. But it's not just good for programming. It's also great for kids doing homework. It's great for reading, great for writing, anything that requires your concentration. The results speak for themselves. I've got hundreds of satisfied customers. Go check out their comments at mtcb.pwop.com. That's mtcb.pwop.com. .NET Rocks, episode 1155, with guest Christopher Banage. Recorded Thursday, June 11th, 2015. Thank you very much. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And we're here for the next hour or so. Uh, Christopher Banaj is here. We're going to have a, a great time talking to him for sure. from Microsoft. But uh, first, you said to ask you about some news. What? Well, you know that I'm a. We're both crowdsourcing fans, right? Oh, Kickstarters, yeah. Indiegogo's, all that good stuff. Right? I, I've been banished from those things for They're a while. Very, very hazardous. <laughs> so uh, interesting. And then you know, me being the, I'm not afraid to look at a at a train wreck kind of thing. I've been waiting for the guy who raises $10 million and just buggers off with it. Right. Right. Cause in the book Kickstarter and Indiegogo, so it's like, there's no guarantee of performance, no protection per se. Right. You know, we, we don't vet these people. It's totally up to you. Right? right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, there was a case in the past couple of weeks. Actually, it happened a year ago, but it's sort of come to light now back in 2012 about a board game. The board game itself is not important, but okay. the guy who's trying to raise 35 grand and, you know, to stop me, you've heard the story. Raise, try 35 grand, raises 125 grand. Ooh. So big success, but he overspends, mismanages and ends up not being able to make the game. Somebody else picks up the ball and fixes it and some folks get handled and so forth. That's not the important part of the story, right? This okay. is not a malice, you know, never attribute to malice that which can be explained by incompetence. This person yes. did something incompetent and failed. Right. The Federal Trade Commission weighed in on it and uh, fined him. Oh. Wow. And, and they specific so this is the FTC Bureau of Consumer Protection has stated Consumers should be able to trust that their money will actually be spent on the project they funded. Well, good for them. So that, you know, I, that changes things. That it is does. The, the FTC is now weighted on crowdfunding. That sets precedent right it there. It sets precedent. It's the litmus test. So you are, you're, you're, you're in trouble if you don't deliver. Yeah. Well, at least have an intent to deliver, right? And it sounds like this guy, you know, I don't think he had an intent to defraud when he started, but. And there's some stupid stuff like he moved he moved to a new state stuff like that trying to uh, I don't know he screwed up he screwed anyway up. Uh, and they did fine him but I think they ultimately forgave the fine because he's all but bankrupt already because huh. he's he's not a master criminal he's incompetent yeah so there you go but for now that it's on the record this could have an interesting impact on on this crowdfunding model going forward so I actually may have some uh, restitution if I lose my $500 on that flying drone that follows you. Yeah, which is one of the ones everyone's worried about, right? <laughs> yeah. Cuz they didn't they didn't go through Indiegogo or anything. It was just a random website give us $500 right. for this video. That's right. And afterwards you're like, "Hey, wait a minute. I just bought something that charged my card and yeah. then what do I get? I have no idea. 
Yeah, well, yeah. you know. The FTC's now got groundwork that would make a, a group of lawyers interested in a class action should they get to that point. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I have something really interesting for you, my geeky friend. Oh, boy. Roll that funky music. Love the white, the boys. Lawrence Welk visited. What was that about? All right, buddy, what do you got? Um... That was actually Satan, but that's okay. <laughs> um, you have to have listened to Mondays from a long time ago to get that one. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you go to theoldcomputer.com slash emulators. Oh, no. Guess what they have a ton of? Emulators? Emulators for everything. Oh, no. And no. I'm just- I didn't I'm, need to know this existed. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, not just the basics like Apple and Atari and Jitsu and MAME, of course, and Microsoft and TR, TSR-80 and Commodore, but things like Mattel, Microbe. Oh, wow. Amstrad. Amstrad, Dragon, Emerson- uh- a Timex Sinclair. Nintendo, wow, you can experience Sega. really crappy computers all over again. <laughs> Nintendo, Sega. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Milton Bradley. Oh what did goodness. they do? I there don't was a time know. when every one of these guys made a computer of some kind, right? Because yeah. it was the thing to do. Tangerine. There, yeah, that was a UK thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the there, you, there you have it. All right. Yeah, you made me sad. Yeah. Okay. And of course, you know, I think you register, you can get, there's all sorts of stuff here. There's even some not safe for work stuff I found, but, um, but they have all sorts of very, very cool stuff in ROMs, like MAME ROMs and things like that. Yeah. Yep. Time suck right there. That's a huge time suck for an old geek like me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if I've got a little time to spare, I'm going to spend it on Kerbal. I got to stay away from this stuff. I know it is evil. Well, anyway, uh, theoldcomputer.com slash emulators. Go take a look and uh, tell them Carl sent you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And uh, who's talking to us, Richard? Grabbed a comment off of show 1143, fairly recent one. We, the one we did with Mark Brown when we were in in Scottsdale. That was a great we, show. And talking, well, it's, yeah, we just geek it out, really. But we were talking mostly about Azure-related stuff. Yeah. And, and Nathan Vito had this very interesting comment I, I wanted to bring up. He said, in every show that comments about Azure, I always hear this comment that the Azure portal is fast. This is definitely not my experience. Mm. In a second load with a lot of things cached, it takes about 25 seconds to load the old portal and almost 40 to load the new portal completely. It takes at least 15 seconds for the screen to appear with something useful. Did he tell you it takes 10 minutes for Windows to boot up? <laughs> well, you know, and with a name like Natan Vita Vivo, I'm not sure where he is because yeah. these sound like latency issues. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the portal's not lightning fast, but it's not as slow as you're describing. But I'm and, and in you, Canada, and that probably gives me some benefit there. And you would think that somebody who uses the internet a lot would know the difference between, you know, the normal speed and slow. So yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard to tell. That's not that fast. But mm-hmm. in, and Nathan goes on to say, in comparison, AWS EC2 panel takes about six seconds to completely load from a cold start with no cache. Microsoft really needs to test these things with real latency as we see from the outside of the u.s hmm. looks like the only tests are from inside microsoft and of course things look great and this is not the experience we are having from the outside and i'm, I'm going to say you're having yeah. but i'm sure there's some other folks as well you know the in there's an interesting part of this which is you know azure is local to certain parts of the world 
but it doesn't necessarily mean the portal is. Right. Right. I don't. I'm not even sure where the portals run. Yeah, we should find out if the portal is uh, is distributed. Is distributed as well because it's yeah. a really interesting point, and it's and that's caught my eye on that. Was like, huh, good point, Nathan. Because you know, it's I fight very hard to not be, you know, U.S. centric, right? In the conversations we have, in the direction we go in, and and then we never even thought about this. I think it's a good one. So happy to send you a dot at Roxbug. Thanks for your insight. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or via any of the social medias. We post every show to Facebook and Google+. And if you comment there, we'll read that one and you'll get a mug too. Dude, they have acorn emulators. <laughs> You're still there. <laughs> oh, my God. Stop. I, no. I, I've, I've, I've closed it. Um, it's okay. Step aside. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Uh, before, before we go any further, let me tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer, IT admin, and creative training online. They have thousands of online training courses authored by MVPs, industry experts, and .NET Rocks guests, and offer a 10-day free trial giving you 200 minutes of access. Pluralsight offers a wide range of technology and creative training courses, including coverage of open source, virtualization, server, web development, and pretty much anything you can think of on the Microsoft stack, including over 65 courses on Windows Azure. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And that brings us to our guest today. Christopher Bonage is a member of the Patterns and Practices team at Microsoft. His focus for the last couple of years has been on guidance for the cloud and IoT in particular. Prior to that, his background was client technology such as HTML5 and XAML. He's an advocate of open source, community, and craftsmanship, and he's fascinated by the interesting. When asked about his hobbies, he says, I like to make things. So that's great. Welcome, Christopher. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, this IoT stuff is is really taking off. And, um, I, you know, we, we talked to uh, Josh Holmes, who really gave us some, and it was called Practical IoT, right, really gave right. us some practical information on IoT. And I, it, it seems like, okay, we can make these devices and we can communicate and we can get stuff up in the cloud now and we can, you know, deal with that data how do you turn that prototype into a mass manufactured device that you know do i have to do i have to learn some assembly language somewhere and <laughs> you know yeah yeah no and 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 i should probably qualify too like my the side i'm interested in actually is not that side at all you're so you're I'm, the cloud guy I'm the cloud guy, right? Yeah. And I, I'm actually deliberately staying away from a lot of the device-related questions. Although what you're asking is a common ask, right? Yeah. And there, there is a lot of discussion around the the prototyper, the hobbyist, even the startup, um, moving from what they have done on their Raspberry Pi to a real manufactured, cost-effective device, right? right because right. that's really what it's about is is getting it cheap. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have an answer to that question. <laughs> I'm going I'm to poke around because I know a lot of our listeners are asking that question too. And when I get one, I'll, I'll, I'll tell. That'll be a better no framework. Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> it's a great question. So, so on the cloud side, um, at Build, we learned about uh, data lakes, and I'm wondering if this is like tailor made for IoT. You know, where data just comes in in any old format, and you just throw it in there. You don't have to predefine what the data is, but then. Sometime later, you can make sense out of it, and it all just seems to work. 
Yeah, well, and I, I, I will confess too, with respect to data lakes, my knowledge of that is marketing. Boy, I'm batting a thousand here. <laughs> well, we should ask, ask you. We should ask you. What do you want to talk about, Christopher? That's 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 <laughs> that's quite all right. Um, I, I, hey, I can take a stab at anything, though. I just, just yeah, just keep them coming. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, data lakes will be relevant to an IoT story. Um, it's not what we're focusing on yet in terms of guidance. Okay. Um, and and part of the reason why is that there are things uh, that are upstream from data lakes that we're finding people struggling with, and we're mm. trying to answer those questions first. Um, so that's okay. That's that's why I haven't delved deeply there yet. Well, what is the what is the the problem that you're trying to address with patterns and practice? And by the way, you guys have been around a long time giving guidance to .NET developers on oh everything from how to do ADO.NET to exception handling to uh, just a, a whole bunch of individual uh, issues. What is it that you're doing in the IoT space and the problems you're trying to solve? Well, um, that's well. First of all, I guess I should qualify that IoT is just one of the areas we're giving guidance in right now. Um, we're we're actually our our team charter has has uh, refocused a little bit on Azure specifically. Like we like you said, we used to talk about everything, uh, but we're no longer, for example, doing um, client development guidance sure. at, this, at this time. Um, so IoT is just one like thread. Uh, it's a project I'm currently working on. Although although I know that you guys talk about this topic a lot, so I don't necessarily want to beat that topic to death. Um, but going back to your question, what are we talking about with IoT? What we are finding is that when people are dealing with high-scale systems, uh, usually with lots of little bits of data coming into a back end, right? So we're talking about high volume but high velocity data um, that they have trouble scaling those solutions. So all this data is coming in. I need to be able to consume it. I need something that can absorb changes, spikes, um, and that can prevent my downstream components from, from being overwhelmed by sur sudden surges of data coming in, right? Uh, and then once I have that data, there's lots of different things I might want to do with that data. I might want to do some sort of processing of that data as it's flowing through my system. I might want to be writing that data out to various stores for different purposes, right? Uh, you know, traditional big data type stories, but also things like, uh, let me explore what went on in uh, room number 17 between 7 and 8 a.m. this morning because we were getting strange alerts from that room. Let me look at all the data there. Yeah. I want to query that ad hoc. Right. So so a lot of those stories are things that we're currently exploring um, in the patterns and practices team. And we're, we're actually doing that because, of, uh, I mean, a, a big part of what we do is community focus. Right, and so we're doing that out in the open. We're we're coming out saying, "Hey, we're not really experts here. Um, we have access to some of the experts. Uh, let's learn together about this." And we're we're soliciting customers to come to us with their stories, what they're trying to do, what they're trying to build, to make sure that we're answering the right kinds of questions. Hmm. Um, and then we're we're taking our engineers and in, in the PMP team, they're building out these solutions, and we're we're also doing things like this, like what you know, we're Microsoft, we have more than one one way to fix a problem. No, uh, <laughs> I know you're shocked. I know <laughs> Crazy talk. The first time you've ever heard that. Uh, and so part of what we want to help customers through is, hey, which technology uh, is really the best fit for your problem, right? Let's let's think about the context of your problem, what are the characteristics you have. And how do you decide? Because 
Um, we want to have a perspective that is holistic, right? I mean, the part of what the, the PNP vision is, is that we want to take a step back from any particular technology that Microsoft offers and say, how can we help customers compose these things together? And you know what's, what's really crazy, too, is that um, being on Azure now, in this new world of openness, right, that, like, there's everything is an option, right? Everything's on the table. Um, we, we talk about Linux VMs very frequently, right? And, wow. Oh, should we, you know, should we do this here on Linux or how about this open source project? Or, or, or for example, we're talking a lot about Elasticsearch, uh, if you're familiar with that product. Sure uh, am, yeah. We talked about it on the show. Yeah, and we've got, we've got fans and people who say they use it for their database, you know? Right, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, it's extremely popular right now, so much so that we're even kicking around an idea. Um, we're probably going to add it to our backlog next week to do some specific guidance on how to run Elasticsearch on Azure. Wow. So Nice. Wow. And, like, it's just another element of being a platform solution is to say, hey, here's a button that says, stand me up in Elasticsearch correctly configured so I don't have to do as much work. Exactly. Exactly. And in fact, you can go today to uh, azure.microsoft.com slash documentation slash templates, I believe, slash one more slash for good measure, Elasticsearch. And there's ARM templates there available today that you can click deploy to Azure, fill in a few parameters, and it should work. Haven't tried that yet myself. Awesome. Yeah, great. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by the bug-crushing superpower that is Raygun. If you're wanting to detect and diagnose errors and crashes in your software, even find problems that you didn't know existed to improve your software, then Raygun may be perfect for you. Add a few lines of code to your application, and in minutes you'll get real-time error reports with all the information you need to fix bugs fast. You can even hook it up to your team chat, bug tracking, and development workflow tools. Raygun covers all major web and mobile programming languages and platforms, including .NET, the full Xamarin stack, JavaScript, and many more. Go check out Raygun today at raygun.io and say hello for us. So um, a lot of the things that I need guidance with, you know, as a developer, isn't so much getting the data up to Azure. It's like you said before, you know, there's something going wrong in room 47. How do, what kind of query do I put together to make that to get that meaningful data. Right, right. And an another aspect of this, too, that's, that's sort of bound up in that particular example is all of these systems are highly distributed, right? It's, it's hard to get visibility into what's going on. So you often want to run queries like that about, you know, the, the business domain that you're in, but you also want to run queries like that about the operations of your system, right? Mm. Um, you know, which devices have not been uh, sending me sending me events uh, for the last few hours, right? Or are, are just other general telemetry like, oh, I'm seeing exceptions, or this particular service that's upstream is is being overwhelmed, and I I didn't know that. Like, I need to find yeah, out why. You need to connect the dots. What is you say? You sit down and you know ask these questions and try to get the context of the problem. Is can you determine things like how to partition data? And you know what kind of based on what kind of queries they're going to be running, uh, what what data types to avoid, maybe like are are there are there a lot of little gotchas like that, or are they more big picture things, or both? Well, we try to do we try to do both actually. Um, 
we absolutely want to hit the big picture things because they're the ones that are that have the most long term consequence, right? If you don't get those big picture problems solved early, yeah, uh, they're harder to solve later. But we also try to to address little things. And, and actually, this is this is probably a good segue for me to to pitch a recent project that that we did in in PMP. Um, we we did something we called. Um, Optimizing performance for cloud applications, and this is uh, this is currently available. It's actually a couple of months old now um, on GitHub. We have a GitHub um, organization that is GitHub.com/slash/MSPNP, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and we have a repo there that actually explores a lot of the little problems. Um, actually, we're really excited about this because we are, I guess, for for about a year now, we've been part of the Azure Customer Advisory Team. So, um, so, so patterns and practice is now part of this Azure team, and the customer advisory team does a lot of going to customer sites when there's a problem, and learning about like, hey, how did the customer get into this state? Like, what what went wrong that led to this problem they're they're suffering from right now, and how can we fix it quickly? Yeah. So we actually went back and harvested a lot of those little problems, right? Um, and we picked out the, well, I think top. Eight. I can't remember how many we have now, okay. actually. And we basically said, okay, let's take each one of these these guys in isolation and and try to help developers understand how this problem might creep into their system. I'm um, sorry, aren't we talking heresy here? If it's in the cloud, it must be fast and scalable. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No. Huh. Exactly. And and in fact, you're you're hitting you know the nail on the head with that comment because because one of the things we find right is that we we are all used. To writing software a certain way, right? I mean, right. all of us here, we've been doing this for years, um, and we know things that work. One of the problems with moving to the cloud right now is that a lot of the things we used to do don't work anymore, right? The physics have changed. Um, the example I like to give is that, you know, back in the day when I, you know, I was when 15 years ago, I was specking out a server that for my database, it was going to be in the same rack as my web server. And I'd spec out another server that was for the application tier. They were all in the same rack. I knew what the hardware was. I bought the best quality stuff. I had redundant hardware on the rack with it. Um, I had control over everything and I knew what was going to happen. And and latency right in between like my my web tier and my SQL was very predictable. Yeah. Uh, that's not true anymore, right? You don't really know uh, that a service is going to be there on the cloud, right? Yeah. There's Yes, there's SLAs and whatnot, but the truth is that things go down all the time. There are transient failures all the time. Absolutely. And, and latency is unpredictable. So the, the classic sort of in-tier architecture that has worked so well kind of breaks when you go to the cloud um, hmm. or, or can break when you're on the cloud when the load hits a certain point, I guess that's that's the qualifying statement there. But but I think you're right, Richard, when you said you know we put it on the cloud, it's fast, right? It should be uh, fine, exactly. And right, we we just provision more, right? I mean, that's, the one thing the cloud brings us more than anything is just add more, right? I, I had that little slider; I can just move it up to add yeah. more instances. Um, yeah, so I, it so, goes from suck to not suck, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's a slider. There you go. <laughs> We're going to go mid-not suck. How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, because it's cost-effective, right? We don't want to suck as much. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. So, what we did was we took some of these common problems that were all problems where it worked fine when you didn't have a high load. Right. But when you turned up the load, uh, things fell apart. And we were trying to approach it very scientifically. Like, how can... 
let's let's isolate this problem in code. Let's let's demonstrate it. Um, let's then talk about how it might manifest itself uh, in your logs, right? If you're doing some sort of profiling, how might this problem look so that you can narrow it down? And also, how do you go back and fix it? So we actually have like A, B comparison code samples on GitHub for, for these various problems, along with a significant amount of written guidance around how to think about it, how to reason about it, and how to handle it, how to solve it. I pulled up the list on GitHub here, and I'm looking at the list and laughing because as someone who's tuned a lot of websites, you started with the database. <laughs> <laughs> and it happens. I mean, I, I, I do that bit on stage, right? It's like, so pretty quickly when you do this diagnosis, you're going to get to see that you're spending too much on the database. So then you can blame the DBA and go home. Yeah. Well, and, and, and almost all of these problems deal with IO in one fashion or another, right? Right. And, and in fact, I, well, one, um, one person said, that, you know, wow, these are these are kind of obvious problems too, right? Like, just don't be stupid. That should be the name of the, of the problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, just don't be awesome. suck. Right? Yeah. But, but, you know, in our experience is it's really easy to fall into these these pits. It's really easy to fall into these traps. Right. Um, and, and, you know, part of what we wanted to do um, was, was really say, okay, hey, you know, look, let's not have hubris. Let's not think that we're above these problems. Um, let's just put these out here to to help us all get better at this, right? Right. Well, and, and just a remind, you know, I love about this list is just a reminder of places to look. You might be suffering from this, and then and then going into it, like I looked at the the busy database scenario, and you give me performance visualizations. Like, does your graph look like this? It right. Could be this. So it's exactly the sort of thing that people slam up against. You know. Performance tuning is its own skill, and I don't know that it's one that lots of people want to even cultivate. It's, I've done a lot. Like, I'm pretty quick with Perfmon to go, you know, click, 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 click. How are we actually doing today, folks? And then you see that kind of thing. Hey, we're redlining the database. Okay, let's look there first. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, the, the busy database one is an interesting example, too, because um, when you compare the two code samples on that one, and I hope yep. it actually is that one I'm not not making it wrong. Yeah. Um, part of what we're doing there, right, is you can you can generate XML straight out of SQL, right? Right. That's, and in fact, the code is a lot cleaner. Like it looks, it sure. looks nicer there, yeah. right? So I, I can see that as being a very reasonable path for someone to go down. But, but the result of that ultimately, right, is that uh, when you're on Azure, you're spending a lot more money, right? It's going to cost you more to do that in, in SQL than it would to do that in your web tier, right? And right. that's that's not even talking about the the actual performance impact, right? We saw you know factors of ten easy on the actual perf impact of doing it this way, but but uh but the bottom line's a, a pretty compelling uh fact as well. Now, yeah, there's always going to be the guy who says, "Well, SQL <laughs> Azure shouldn't suck as much." Like right. you gave me that command, it should be fast. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. There there are always people that say that, and um. We smile and yeah. we, <laughs> we like, try to be friendly. I'm sorry. Did you want to move the mountain or did you just want to solve the problem? Just not exactly. Exactly. It, it turns out for a little bit of code, and you leave the code sample here, right? Like you've got the code to build the XML in C sharp, and you have the day the results to show. If you do it this way, it's dramatically faster. Right. Exactly. And in fact, part of what we wanted to do with this project was we wanted to make it so that you could prove this to yourself. We, we didn't want to make assertions 
that were, you know, ivory tower, you should do it this way because it's better. We wanted you to be able to download this code. You can clone the repo. You can actually deploy these on Azure yourself and, and you can run it. Like we did all of our testing using the, um, the Visual, Visual Studio load testing tool. Oh, nice. Uh, who's, whose exact name now I forget. Um, but anyway, we, we did it. And then we, we actually wanted to publish our tests on GitHub as well, but we didn't find much value in that because it was basically just, you know, all of our endpoints of where we deployed our stuff on Azure. Yeah, but yeah. T- and it's, but use deployed to GitHub so that you, all the code is there. So if you want to run benchmarks, run them yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And in fact, we even explored, uh, you know, some third party tools like like New Relic um, and yeah. AppDynamics, I believe, uh, t- to, you know, to show how you can use these third party tools to gain insights into what your system is doing as well. So is the guidance in the form of videos, in the form of white papers, or do you actually have some interactive uh, applications that people can go through? So we're in a we're in a bit of an inflection point right now for for patterns and practices. Um, everything we're doing today is on GitHub. That's really our only channel of interacting with the community of, of publishing content. Okay, so projects basically. It it is projects. Now we um, we we're learning, right? We're trying to adjust because, as you guys are well aware, uh, Microsoft's a new animal now, right? A lot has changed in the last few years. Uh, you know things like the way uh, core CLR, right, and yep. and the um, and whatnot. Um, the openness and transparency is fantastic, and personally, I like I've never been more excited. Um, but also the velocity, especially in Azure, is is high, right? People are shipping stuff constantly, and and patterns and practices, like you know, you mentioned we have a long history. It's like twelve years, I think. Um, we used to be a very agile team in comparison to the rest of the company because we could take. Uh, four months to do something and that was crazy fast compared to a two month i mean a two-year ship cycle right um one of the things we're doing now is that we're saying okay well things are changing so fast in azure how can we make sure that our cons our content stays relevant um and in addition to that too we realize that we have to change the way we're modeling content to keep it updated and our our previous models of like publishing very lengthy books are um, you know a, a, a lot of content on on MSDN was hard to keep up and hard to maintain. So right. so we're doing a lot of self uh, re- reflection, self evaluation right now about how should we be publishing content. Uh, we we want this stuff to end up on um, on Azure.com, and in fact, uh, there is a lot of content that we've written that is article style that will be on Azure.com. Shortly, I, th- I think. In fact, if you go to like the guidance tab on Azure.com, it currently redirects to to our stuff on GitHub, but it will be on on Azure.com soon. Have you asked so, the community what uh, what you would like them, what they would like you to do? Wow, that's like that's like a great question. <laughs> you know, do you have an email address? We 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 do have an email address, although we're actually trying to do more and more in persistent chat. Okay. Um, so you you can email us at mspnp um, at microsoft.com. Um, although we have Gitter chat rooms that we've set up, mm-hmm. and and in fact, um, this isn't directly related to the content strategy question, but we have put uh, we have a repo on GitHub that is just our backlog of guidance topics. So anytime someone brings up a topic to us, we put it in that that public repo, and the community is actually welcome to go there and and comment and contribute on that. And we have an associated chat room that 
we don't have a lot of activity in now, but we would love people to share their thoughts and their feedback there as well. And I like that. I mean, I would prefer that over email because it encourages conversation, right? Yeah, sure. You can see what ideas other people have. Um, but yeah, I'm actually kind of embarrassed that I had not thought to ask that question out loud. Um, well, hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is? Must be that happy time again. Yeah, you know it. It's time to unveil my new geek dance move. Oh, what is it? It's called the the Busy Database. You stand in one spot and spin around as fast as you can, flailing arms while your friends try to throw popcorn in your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) That's very silly. Yeah, I think so. Actually, it's time to give away a Music to Code by CD and DVD collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Music to Code by is a set of 25-minute Pomodoro-sized quiet and groovy instrumentals specifically designed to promote focus. It'll get you into a state of flow and keep you there. .NET Rocks fans are being more productive with Music to Code by. See what all the fuss is about. mtcb.pwop, that's P-W-O-P dot com. Nice. All right, buddy, who's our winner? Today's winner is Brian Harwell. Congratulations, Brian. Golf, Golf clap, clap for you, for sir. You, sir. And uh, Brian just won that uh, audio and video set. The video is really only available for my Kickstarter backers, but I sort of recorded myself making it, and you can see the creative process that goes into making, composing, making, and producing music. So uh, so that's it. Know it, learn it, love it. And if you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the fan club. But you got to sign up to win. And Christopher, it's your turn. If you had Ooh. five grand in your pocket, let's go shopping, what would you buy? Oh, dear. Well, uh- Wow. So I think the hardest thing for me to get is time. So can I can I buy time? Is there a way you're, to do that? Yeah, you're not the first person that said they would like hire a, a, a personal assistant to take oh, care. Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, I don't know that I have enough enough trust for that. That's my problem. <laughs> 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 Delegation. That's a right. I'm, yeah. I'm working on that. I'm working on that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You know, actually, you know what'd be nice would be to what I would do. I would actually want to like rent a beach house for a weekend, mm. stock it and and have a like a, a small hack fest. Get together with Oh, with I, I was people. hoping you'd say and everybody leaves their phones at home and <laughs> get off the grid. I, no? Now you're just talking crazy talk. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I can't even process what you just said. Why, I, I, why would you be at the beach <laughs> and inside hacking when you're at the beach, man? <laughs> if you're at the beach, go to the beach. <laughs> Crazy talk. That's crazy. Crazy, crazy talk. It is an interesting idea, I suppose. Uh, but you know, um, so so back to back to the guidance. You're yeah. You you have yeah. these projects on GitHub, and I'm really interested in um, the conversations that you have that point people to one of these projects or another. Because that that to me is the the guidance. I mean, the guidance is, of course, you know, here's how you do it technologically, but what you know what technologies do you choose how do you set it up seems to be a really important thing that that isn't code yeah well and and actually i want to i want to first see if i can tweak the question you asked a little bit because um 
one of the things I like to tell people is that my job is not necessarily to give you answers, but to make sure that you're asking the right questions. Okay. Um, so, so and that may seem like I'm dodging or trying to be, you know, the, uh, well, context matters sort of answer. It depends. But, <laughs> yeah, it depends. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, I, but I strongly believe that I can't answer all the questions for you about the, the best thing for you to do. Sure. Uh, I, 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 I still, I've still a quote from Ted Neward. I don't know if he stole it from somebody else, but it was, um, there's no such thing as best practices. And he said that a, a person in one of his talks held up a hand and said, yes, there is breathing. And his response was, well, underwater, right? Con- context matters. <laughs> context funny. matters. Um, <laughs> so, so the, I guess rolling back to your actual, your actual question as opposed to, you know, how yeah. I try to change your question. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, a large part of what we do is is saying, okay, hey, here's here's the choices, here's the pros and cons between these technologies, and and here's where you can go to get started and 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 set things up. Now, we want to be careful, right? There are lots of teams already writing documentation on how to do things. Sure. Um, so we don't want to be in that business. Um, we try to make sure that we are linking off to those sources as opposed to doing that ourselves. But on occasion, when we, when we stumble across something where there's not a lot of guidance on it, um, and, and even though it may be very narrow about a single project or product or something, we, we will fill those gaps when we have to. Okay. Yeah, it, it's got to be an interesting dance, but it, it, to just who does what and where. Because there's also an element of criticism here. And I, and I sort of dragged one out. We were talking about the busy database scenario, but is the real issue here that the 4XML feature in SQL Azure is too slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, th- there there is. And we and what's interesting about that that point too is that there's criticism possibly on both sides, right? Like right. It, we could make product teams at Microsoft feel bad or feel like we're attacking them when we're, yeah. we're not. Um, we we could actually make customers feel bad. Like for example, we when we were putting together this performance optimization project, we actually spent a lot of time deliberating on names for these anti-patterns that were not accusational. Right. Like we wanted to pick names where we made it feel like, okay, you know, we might make this mistake too, or this, or this is uh, something that anybody might do, not something. Uh, <laughs> I can't yeah, believe you busy, did that. Busy <laughs> database is a nice way to say you screwed up your store procedure. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So, yeah, you're, and you're spot on, though. We spent a lot of time um, making, like, building relationships with people and making sure that people feel like we're advocates for them, kind of regardless of of uh, of where they're at. So, <laughs> yeah, but it's it, I mean, it's important. Just these are places to look and examples of where things can go wrong. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know, even the code samples themselves, like, hey, you know, our database is fine. I'm not using 4XML. That's in- incorrect, right? There's more to it than that. It's not just the 4XML statement. Exactly. No. And then, in fact, that was another thing that was difficult for us when putting these together. We were trying to strike the balance between, well, for, you know, we know that some people are just going to go look at the code, right? We, we, we know that's going to be the case. And we were even worried about, like, are people going to copy the bad code examples? Like, did we? Did we bad did we code examples. <laughs> right. You have did bad we, code examples. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And we're we we've seen situations right where we've seen people copy code where we had a comment that said, "Don't copy this," or like you know, for demonstration only or whatnot. Yeah. 
and we found that copied in, in code. Um, so <laughs> it's copied in too. Yeah. The disclaimer yeah. not to with copy. the comment. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> let let that sink in, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> you not only didn't read it, you propagated yeah, it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a virus. It's a virus that <laughs> do we do not copy and paste. Yeah. yeah. So so we, yeah, we're very we're very sensitive to that. Um, but we so in in the language of of the text, right? We even try to to express those ideas, emphasize like, hey, just because you don't have this exact code, you might have these type of symptoms, you know, in your system, right? And we try to to abstract the problems out so that people could reason about it. Because honestly, what I care about this is I care about teaching the principles, yeah. right? Um, and not about saying, you know, for this particular API, do this one thing. Sure. Can can I go through some of the projects here? At yeah. GitHub.com yeah, slash MSPNP. The first one on the list is IoT Journey, a guidance project for implementing an IoT solution on Azure. Yes. So is yeah. that the generic IoT solution? Not quite, actually. So this this is actually where most of my attention is today. Um, and what we're I mean this and this goes back to what we talked about earlier in the call. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that what we're really doing here is we are we we build a fictitious scenario. So we're talking about you know Fabricam, Microsoft's favorite fake company, sure. right? Uh, and we're saying, hey, they have this smart building solution. They they want to they want to roll out. They're a startup. They have all these great ideas. They want to build it on Azure. Uh, what problems are their team is their team running into? So mm. we we put together a business scenario. We're still in the process of fleshing it out, and okay. and our engineering team is trying to to build that out. Um, but but the reason why I, I stepped away from you know is it a getting started or a um, a reference implementation that you can just take and use is because we're we're actually exploring alternative technologies for each of the scenarios. So so specifically, um, you have Stream Analytics right that is a hosted service offered from Azure that you can do a lot with and it's extremely easy to use. Um, um, but it's one of those trade offs right you have you have ease versus power um, right or the the customization options are more limited. So we're actually looking at building a, uh, a storm topology, right? Writing in Java at the same time. Hmm. So we're actually taking some of the, of the features that we want to explore. We're building them out on multiple platforms, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, I don't, and I don't know if it's okay for me to say this on .NET rocks, but we're, you know, we're looking at platforms outside of .NET even for this. Wow. Well, that's uh, yeah. not a shock to us really okay. <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, so so we're going to have these multiple implementations with different platforms, and it won't be something that someone just pulls down and uses, but it will be something where people can go there and say, okay, I have this problem. I don't know where to start. I don't know which technology is best. Let me read through these examples. Let me drill down into this code to understand what I should do for my problem. Is that, is that awesome. Uh, you know what's great about this project? You've got a lot of great docs. And yeah, uh, that's what I was hoping to find is some really good, you know, uh, documentation. You have a journal, so you have ongoing documents that you're adding to it. And that's, that's cool stuff. Yeah. And in fact, one of the things I like to tell people is that um, we embed, like we're an engineering team first, right? We, right. We're, we're geeks who like to write code. Uh, but we, we have a, a writer as part of our core team. Um, and so, and that, and the writers are always very technical developers themselves, right? So they're, they're like developers who like to communicate. Um, and, and they're there 
you know, their, their core member from the beginning of the project. So we put a lot of weight on writing documentation uh, and capturing what we learned along the way. All right. So some of these other uh, projects, and I'm, we don't have to go into each one, of course, but yeah. semantic logging, supporting semantic and structured logging for .NET. Good. Yeah. So that's actually a long, uh, I mean, that's, that's a project that's been around for a while. Yeah. It, it started off on CodePlex. Um, and uh, we moved it over to GitHub. Uh, we were anticipating uh, doing a version three of the project. And, and right now we're actually in a little bit of a holding pattern because we're talking to all the different teams inside Microsoft that do logging. There's a surprising number. Hmm. I, um, yeah, I bet a dozen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I think you may be right, actually. And so, um, <laughs> so we, um, we're talking to them to try to, to come out with a consolidated story there because, um, you know, Semantic logging was really more of a, of a usable set of libraries. It was built around the event source class inside um, the .NET framework. Um, and it's still a great thing. Like, you can pick that up today and use it. And we have some written guidance, some, some excellent reference docs. And it's, it's a great tool. I recommend it. Um, but we also want to tell, like, a bigger story about, hey, what does it mean to instrument your app for Azure, right? Um, and, and that's part of what we're trying to figure out right right now with that. you'll If you go look at that repo, you'll see some activity there um, that is actually from some sister teams inside Microsoft that are exploring uh, actually Elasticsearch. Um, and mm -hmm. and they're, they're basically just doing some experiments there um, on, in our repo uh, just to learn more at this point. Wow, cool. Interesting, yeah. yeah. And, cool. and uh, obviously, you know, the cool thing about being in GitHub is you can see the activity that there's ongoing work going on in this space. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I love the fact that almost everything I do now is in the public. You know, right. you can really track what I'm working on. Uh, kind of creepy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> A little too visible. <laughs> too visible. I'm looking at the Azure Quick Start templates. Yeah, that's actually just a fork uh, from Azure Quick Start templates that is an official site. So There's that's not actually some of our templates there. Yeah, that's so. That's not our stuff. I I just oh, okay. forked it because I I was fixing some bugs in it and sending them a pull request. Right. <laughs> and then Azure Guidance is a big one too. Yeah, so that's that's a fascinating one actually. And um, the the history behind this is that we were asked to actually write guidance for internal teams, which was um which was a new space for us. Almost everything we've done before has been external, community facing. Um, sure. But this started off as like, hey, let's let's make sure we're all like on the same plate here, right? Um, let's you know, level set. And so we wrote a bunch of, of articles really last year um, for internal an internal audience, and then mm -hmm. we realized, hey, this this is pretty good stuff that we should make public. Um, and we we didn't think much about it. We cleaned it up. We did an editorial pass. We put it on GitHub, and then it, it had like you know the next day had a hundred stars on it, right? Wow, it was. Wow. It just took off, and it was, it was some MVPs, I think, and a few other people in the community that picked it up. And but it also and, speaks to the reality that people are a bit overwhelmed by Azure. They are, and 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 we are too sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and so, so actually, we're in the process right now of trying to integrate this content into the official Azure.com documentation site. Interesting. Um, like you'll yeah. lose. Ultimately, this will disappear and go into that. That's that's correct, um, and I don't know. Have you guys ever have you ever paid attention to the way content is managed for Azure.com? It's it's all on GitHub. If you haven't seen it, yeah, hmm. 
So it's just a normal part of the process, right? It's, yeah. And it, it's a it's a win to become essentially part of the canon of yeah. Azure. <laughs> but you also, I mean, it's on GitHub, so anybody can contribute to this, comment on it, ask for more information. Well, like that, that gives us a lot of power. Well, that's a question. What if you have? Uh, what if you see holes in this, and you have some best practices that you've got from the field, and you want to contribute? Is uh, is it easy or or encouraged to do so? Yeah, we absolutely 100% encourage it. Uh, we almost beg for it, actually, uh, because we can't be experts on everything. Um, we, we feel like we're in the role of custodian, writer, facilitator, catalyst for guidance. Um, so things we're doing, we, we, we ask people if they don't like what's there, um, engage us in a conversation. Um, you'll notice on all of our repos or most of our repos, we have a Gitter chat room button, uh, which is the same persistent chat rooms that the... Um, like the core CLR team are using to interact with community, we we invite feedback there. Uh, if there's specific things that people think need to be there, uh, they can send a pull request, and we'll absolutely review it. Um, and in fact, we've we've had we've already had some community interaction around this particular uh, repo. One of the things that we talk about here is the you know the very contentious topic of rest uh, and. Uh-oh. Yeah, exactly. rest. Is, you're doing it wrong. What is this rest you speak of? I've never, <laughs> right, I, never heard of that. Let's just ignorance is bliss. Let's let's <laughs> stay there. No, 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 but uh, but seriously, we uh, we you know we put some stuff out there, and it was um, it was in need of some feedback and needed some criticism, and we had some really productive conversations around it, uh, and and changes were made as a result, and and that's something that I love. I love when. When experts in the community can can bring forth their knowledge and and influence what we're saying, I I relish that. So, yeah, and and rest is one of those ones where things can get pretty hot. Sure, they can, they can. Yeah. And and I will say too, I was really pleased with the feedback we got because it was it was it was critical but very friendly, and it was it was saying, hey, let's instead of encouraging us to like take a side. It was more saying, hey, make sure you explain the sides of the argument, um, which I liked as well. Mm. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. that's. It, it's, it, I'm always happy when it's not trollish. Right. You know, when it actually gets into this, hey, let's actually make, I'm trying to make this better, which is, you know, it's very much a statement of of true interest. Like, I care enough about this to want to make it better, even if it's only criticism. So here's a project that I, I like, and you you mentioned this before. This has got the busy database in it, performance optimization. So you've got yeah. busy database, busy front end, chatty IO, <laughs> extraneous fetching. I love these terms. Yeah. Improper instantiation, <laughs> monolithic persistence, no caching, and synchronous IO. There's, yeah. there's a whole bunch of problems to uh, address right there. Great. We have... We had a lot of fun naming those, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just keeping it non-critical, right? Yeah, yeah. These, that was the These goal. are the problems that can arise. The other day, my database was pretty busy. I was talking to my wife. Sure, Actually, my wife and my stepdaughter were talking to me, and uh, my database was a little busy, and I drove right past two exits. <laughs> One, I had to, <laughs> drove past the exit. Oh, no, now I got to go over the bridge. So I have to go like a half a mile, turn around. Turned around, got on the, you know, driving up to the ramp to get back on the highway. Drove past that one, too. <laughs> you sure this isn't a chatty I.O. problem? You were talking too much. <laughs> that, that might be a conflation of multiple anti- <laughs> Oh, it was definitely a busy database problem. My brain was in another place. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh my. Too funny. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, look at some more here. Now, what's roadmap? This just yeah. says guidance item in our ro- items in our roadmap. Is that what's coming up? Yeah. So so I'll explain that. We so historically, I mean, I, I mentioned earlier that that PMP used to be a very agile team with respect to the rest of the company, and we would publish a roadmap saying, "Hey, here's what we're planning for the next three months, next six months, next year for our guidance deliverables." Um, that doesn't really work anymore. <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, things things change too quickly. Uh, new technologies are released, um, and for us to think about what we're going to be doing after the next six months, we you know it it all depends, right? Yeah. Um, but we know things that are important. We know things we want to track. We know things that we should be paying attention to. So what we're doing now is we're treating all of the guidance topics we could be addressing in a backlog. We're putting them in a backlog. Uh, we're asking you know leadership inside Microsoft to to prioritize things for us on a regular basis, um, and and we we wanted it to be public, right? We wanted it to be something where people could get a sense of like, oh, here's some plans, here's some directions they may go in. Um, so we felt like you know what we're we're doing everything else individually uh, with backlogs that are public. Let's let's actually make our roadmap. I say in air quotes, uh, public as well. So if you go to that repo in GitHub, it actually doesn't look like much, right? It's completely empty except mm-hmm. for a set of issues. Yeah. We actually use a tool called Waffle.io. Um, oh, yeah. and, if, and if you use Waffle and, and go to um, the roadmap in Waffle, it um, it's a much nicer view of it. Actually, I should put a link on the site for that. I'll do that. All right. Great. Okay. Um Azure content repository containing the articles on azure.microsoft.com documentation center. Yep. So you'll, you'll notice actually that is just a fork off the official Azure, Azure oh, content. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, okay. Mobile web. Let's talk mobile yeah. web. <laughs> That's an old one, actually. This was, um, so patterns and practices was on GitHub before I think anybody else in Microsoft was on GitHub. Hmm. Um, we we started in 2012. Okay. We had we had two projects uh, that were there. The mobile web was one, and the very first one was one we called CQRS Journey, um, which mm. was uh, actually this this builds on stuff that you had a, a recent episode about um, with domain driven design. Mm-hmm. Uh, CQRS really is a set of patterns that 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 grew out of the DDD community, and we did a guidance project about it. Gosh, actually three years ago, three years ago. Um, so yeah, so those two prod projects on our GitHub repos are actually just old historical projects. Uh, if people, if people do something there, we still try to pay attention. Uh, like if the community comes in and wants to make an update on that. Um, but we're not actively working on either one of those. Okay. Uh, data pipeline. Yeah. So, so data, data pipeline was, um, when we first moved over into Azure, we were, experimenting, trying to figure out what to do to be on GitHub, mm-hmm. right? Uh, to come back to GitHub, since I said we had these projects there earlier. Um, and Data Pipeline was a place where we said, okay, there's a set of technologies uh, that are related to ingestion of data. And, and quite honestly, this is almost like the proto-IoT project, right? Yeah. Um, so we were looking at things like uh, the Event Hub service event hubs from the service bus team. Um, and we were basically exploring that publicly 
um, it, it ended up being not quite a guidance project. It ended up being more like, here's some code we worked on while we were learning. Uh, but a lot of the learnings from that are actually feeding into the IoT journey. Um, there's a sister repo where we tried to address some of the same problems that we did in Data Pipeline, but using Storm. So you'll see Data Pipeline Storm. Are, are you guys familiar with Storm? Tell us about Storm. Okay. So, so Storm is... An open source project, I believe it originated from Twitter, if I recall correctly. Um, you can actually use it as part of HD Insight. So if you provision HD Insight cluster in Azure, you can use Storm there. Um, but Storm is a distributed runtime for complex event processing. I know that someone out there is going to say, I got that wrong. So I'll look <laughs> forward to reading the comments on that. <laughs> uh, but but basically, it's, it's a Java-centric framework. Um, and it's a way for you to say, hey, I have something emitting data, emitting events. I want to... I want to perform analysis on them. I want to transform them. I want to aggregate them. You design a, a pipeline, a topology is the storm term. Uh, your data flows through that. It distributes across multiple nodes. Uh, and then you get something out on the other, on the other side. Um, so it's, it is a technology that you can use on Azure, again, part of, of HD Insight. But it does the same kinds of things that you might do, uh, for example, in Azure Stream Analytics or that you might do if you were writing, uh, you know, you could write a .NET-based service to host as a cloud service in Azure that might do the same kinds of things as well. Yeah. So, so we were exploring that as an alternative technology that's, you know, Azure-friendly, Azure-native, if you will, um, and, and wanting to know how does, how does this work? How can I solve problems with this technology? Um, I think most of the other stuff that is on our, our GitHub page is actually either not ours or, or just old stuff. Right, yeah. But that, but I do like upforgrabs.net. <laughs> Jump yeah. in. Yeah. So that's a, that's a project from Keith Dalby that, uh, are, are you familiar with it actually? No, no, but I was just looking it over and it, you know, reading the docs and reading the readme and it, it does look interesting. I mean, yeah. you basically run an open source project, submit a pull request, to add yourself to the list. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I forked that because I, Again, I'm a strong advocate of community interaction, and I thought this may be another way for us to to engage with people. Yeah, but it's a list; like it's not a database. It's like a you just go there and you see them listed. It's <laughs> right. like just a big list of projects. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow, that's just so much stuff. I don't even know where to start. But uh, I can guarantee you that uh, some of the the guy, some of our listeners will probably. Be uh, helping you out, and I know that the App V Next guys will be. So, uh, what's next for you? What's on your in? What's in your inbox? Yeah. So, uh, um, so we're going to be doing IoT stuff, and for me personally, with patterns and practices for the next few months. Although one thing we're looking forward to, I'll I'll, I'll give a little sneak peek about something we're planning, is we're in conversations right now with the the Core CLR team and um, uh, the the ASP.NET team, to talk about guidance for the modern cloud, right? We, we want to take all the things that they're doing and, and talk about what it means to build applications for the cloud today using those technologies. Uh, that's something that's several months off, but I'm personally really excited about what that could be and, and what that could mean. And will those be specific to the latest and greatest technologies all over the cloud, not just Azure? Um, that would be specific to the work that's going on with um, 
the core CLR work and the what 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 do we named it now? DNX is that the name for it? Oh uh, yeah. The, the yep. ASP Net uh, Bnext work. Yeah. So it would be specific to to those technologies on Azure, but a lot of what would come out of it, right, would be um, sort of architectural thinking and patterns. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, which reminds me, I I there's something that is not on GitHub that I think is relevant to the, all the conversations we've been having. Um, if you bingle cloud design patterns. <laughs> I've never um, heard that did word. Did you say bingle? <laughs> I got to start using that now. <laughs> we usually say Google Bing, but bingle is much more efficient. I love it. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you, if you bingle um, cloud design patterns, I think that, that PMP's content is it's pretty high on the list. It's maybe number two or three. Um, and you'll, you'll see a link that is, um, yeah, it says cloud design patterns, prescriptive architectural guidance, something, something. It's an MSDN link. Um, for people who are building on Azure today, right, it's a set of classic design patterns that are geared specifically for the cloud. Um, and it's, it's, it's great content. It's a library of content we're hoping to continue to grow. Um, and I, I bring that up now, too, because I think some of the work we may be doing with the... Um, with that modern cloud guidance will actually be the same kinds of things as this. Awesome. Christopher, thank you so much. This has been a great show. Hey, my pleasure. All right. It's been a blast. Awesome. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm